0: Welcome to Mission Winnow Presents Powering Innovation, the podcast that looks at the technology behind the racing in MotoGP. And on today's show, we've got a real cutting-edge technology in the shape of 3D printing. But as we're about to find out, cutting-edge probably isn't the right phrase to use for 3D printing – My name is Steve English, and as ever on this show, I'm joined by Alberto Nazca. And Nazca, we've got a lot to cover, but this is the last episode of the show for this season.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to be at the last episode. It was really fun to to talk about all these incredible innovations in technology. If we can say cutting the edge, we would say printing the edge, because that's what an actual 3D printer does. And if we talk about numbers... Because I think numbers are what truly allows us to to understand the scale of what we're talking about. A MotoGP bike is made by around 2,000 parts. And now, nowadays, thanks to the evolution in technology, over 100 of them can be printed in just 48 hours. Yeah, 48, 48 hours and printed. They are actually printed. Can you imagine that?
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the key things that we're seeing now. This is probably one of the real innovative areas of MotoGP where it is properly at the limit of the technology. This is where you really do place huge demands on 3D printing. And it's definitely one of those areas, NASCAR, where I think we're seeing that MotoGP just tries to find any advantage possible. And like we've seen in some of the other shows through the course of this series, this is just another area where you can try and just find an edge over your
1: competition. Exactly, and the 3D printing has an, an, um, an incredible amount of, um, of advantages, an incredible amount of cool things. First of all, is that what what happened before the 3D printing, okay? Many things could have happened. For example, if you have to manufacture one part, you can either make it f- starting from the raw block of material, okay? Like in sculptures, you, you take the marble block and then you, you make your sculpture. So instead of subtractive manufacturing, where you remove material, in 3D printing, you you just add material. So the first advantage that you can think about is that you don't have waste, okay? So this is one of the most important thing. Or the other way to create a part is molding, okay? So you put a fluid inside a container which has been shaped properly. So when the fluid cools down, you get the part. But this has a problem because you need to build the mold and it takes time, it takes effort. So with 3D printing, you're just building the part starting from the material. You just put all the material where you want it to be put and you get the part. That's faster, that's easier, that's cheaper, it doesn't produce waste.
0: Yeah, and I think 3D printing is a very modern solution to all those issues that a MotoGP team would have or pretty much anyone in industry would have where, like you said, Nasky, you want to reduce your rate waste as much as possible. And you can do that with 3D printing because with a 3D printer, you're basically going layer upon layer. You're adding to the structure. And from 0.1 of a millimeter is the the width of each layer. And you just build that all the way up through. And it means that you can create incredibly complicated solutions very easily because all you need to have is a CAD design you just need to be able to have a file that you feed to the printer and then from that the printer just creates that uh, structure that you're trying to make and that's why it means that for a lot of a MotoGP bike it can be really important and really useful because you're able to create something very complicated very quickly like you said Nazca typically the longest turnaround for a MotoGP team is 48 hours to be able to print off one of these parts usually they just print them all overnight so it means that the next day the team can have these parts available to them and it's interesting that some teams even actually have 3D printers on site at a Grand Prix and they're able to use that just to make spare parts if they need them at any given time and it really is absolutely as evolved as possible for the teams to be able to go from design to production to testing it on track or using it on track and it's streamlined that process so much
1: yeah speed is something super important in MotoGP because as we mentioned in the previous episodes you don't have time you you really need to be fast in thinking about something creating and testing it so thinking that in 48 hours or maybe even overnight, you can have a new part, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So the 3D printing is mostly super important for testing and prototyping. Because for example, if an engineer think that one part can work better if it has a different shape, they just 3D print that part, which is just meant to be a prototype, and see if it works, then, If it works, they can produce it uh, either with the 3D printing method or with another method. But being able to to say, okay, is this going to work? I wanna find out. Then you 3D print it it and you test it. That's the big step forward. That's the big evolution. And people may think about what parts are 3D printed. For example, some body parts are 3D printed, especially the plastic ones. And for example, the the some covers, some parts. But we can also see some big parts 3D printed. For example, the KTM RC16 had the chassis 3D printed. The chassis, can you imagine that?
0: Yeah, it just shows just how complicated you can make something with 3D printing. And it also shows as well just what a team are able to achieve with the technology. And it shows that you can see big advantages from it. And one of the big advantages that you can get from 3D printing is you can basically put different stiffness in different sections and then just try different solutions. And that's why if you were going testing, maybe you're trying to find the solution for just being able to be on the angle and just what you're able to to grip from that chassis and from that frame. So you could try different stiffnesses in different areas of it and just move from one frame to the other and seeing which works best. And that's where you can get a big advantage from this because With a 3D printer, you have to look at it from the perspective of a race team doesn't need thousands of parts. They need to be able to have enough parts for one season. It's very different to producing a production bike where you'd need to have enough parts to produce thousands of bikes. Suddenly for a race team, you might only need 15 of something. So a 3D printer can become very useful because it's an awful lot easier to quickly produce those 15 parts with a 3D printer than with other printing, te- with other manufacturing techniques.
1: Exactly. What you said is super important because many times people don't realize what it means to be a MotoGP bike because every time people ask me, what's the difference between MotoGP and Superbike? The difference is that if you're not expert, you, you don't see a difference. You see, there are two bikes with two wheels with the one engine. What's the difference? The big difference is that the Superbike is... a uh, a stock bike, which can be bought in any dealer, which is then modified to race in in, uh, Superbike Championship. While the MotoGP is a motorbike that doesn't exist, if you see the KTM RC16, that's the only bike that exists, which is the one that is racing. We We don't have 20, 50, 100 of them, you cannot buy it. That means that every single part of that bike needs to be built just for that bike. So that's why 3D printing is important. Because can you imagine the cost of producing one part just in one piece or two or five or ten that you're going to use as spare parts for that bike, but nothing more, that's super expensive. So being able to 3D print just that part without using molding, without wasting material, that's the biggest innovation in that field.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, one of the biggest things that I saw that really showed to me just the importance of the technology going forward was the Yamaha World Superbike team printed their fairings because they wanted to be able to check things out for just the aerodynamics. They weren't going to use a 3D printed fairing for the race bikes, but they were able to print this off and use it during winter testing to be able to see whether or not it would be an improvement for them. And it showed that you could use this technology to quickly make changes to your bike. And that's what the big advantage is. Speed's the key thing for a race team. It doesn't matter if it's on track or in the development. You've got to be able to bring your new parts to fruition quickly. And that's where teams, if they're using 3D printers, NASCAR, they need to be able to make a decision on what type of printer they're going to use. Because there's a few different types of printers that you're able to use for this technology.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, the most common ones, the... the, the the main types are two. We have the, the so-called SLS, which is the Selective Laser Sintering, which is the most precise one. It can be used either for plastic or metals. And how does it work? It works that the laser heats up the part and then adds a tiny layers over that. So the idea of, the, of 3D printing is always adding layers over layers over layers. And what's cool about this technology is that, as you mentioned before, it can be super thin. The layer that you're going to put, it can be 30% the width of a human hair. This allows you to print some super precise and small parts. Then we have the most common one, which is the FDM, which is the Fused Deposition Modeling. And the idea is simple. You have this plastic filament, which is melted and placed on top of of each other. And I have many things that are 3D printed here at home, which has been been printed with this cheaper method. Of course, the FDM is much cheaper than the SLS, but less precise. So, you know, for racing, you usually going to see the SLS because in racing you need precision, you need performance, you you need to have the highest possible level, and you don't have big budget issues. Okay, everyone has budget issues, but in MotoGP racing, the budgets are much higher than the, the 3D printer that I could afford here for fun. Yeah, and I remember the first
0: time I saw one of the big industrial sized 3D printers, NASCAR, and it really looks like something you see from science fiction movies. It It's got the laser that just gradually goes layer upon layer to create something, and it really is like what you see in the movies, just in terms of technology that. I couldn't get my head around whenever I was first talked about it. And uh, suddenly, as you see it being used, you're able to see the advantages of it. And like you said, the big advantage, layer upon layer of really thin layers, you can just
1: develop any part that you want. Yeah, this is the biggest evolution. It's something that we always see in movies, like, for example, Star Trek, okay? They go to the kitchen and say, okay, I want an apple pie. And then the 3D printer prints you an apple pie, which is maybe better than the one that your grandma used to do. And... Now we are 3D printing stuff, but I can imagine that in the future we were going to be to 3D print some much more complicated things. I really would love a food 3D printer in my house. Can you imagine that? I won't. Well,
0: to, to be honest, Nazca, the 3D printers now are used for food. When you look at a lot of the really intricate designs that you see for... Uh, big restaurants a lot of them actually use a 3D printer to be able to layer upon layer of the different uh, it could be pastry or it could be fruit it could be anything and they use that quite a lot in the food industry now as well so it does show just how quickly that technology evolves and what you're able to do with it and in terms of a MotoGP team obviously we've talked about KTM they are big into 3D printing but some of the other manufacturers not quite as evolved in the technology, but they still use it for some of the smaller parts.
1: Yeah, K- KTM, as you mentioned, is one case study because they they are well, some step forward compared to the other teams. Talking about three D printing, because for example, in KTM, over a hundred parts are actually used on the race bike. On the race bike, I'm talking about a 3 D printed parts. It's a lot. And it's,
0: it It's bigger, small parts as well. For some teams, they're basically focused on just the smaller parts. They could be using something like an electronics housing. And they'll focus on being able to get this as compact as possible so that they're able to then improve the packaging of the bike and really be able to get everything just as they need it. And that's where 3D printing really can be a big advantage because you're able to have a very complicated shape that really does just fit directly where it needs to on the bike.
1: Exactly, and then you can also 3D print big parts, like, for example, the riders. (laughs) You can 3D print the riders, and that's what KTM did. Because, for example, they needed the riders for aero testing in their factory, but you cannot call the rider and say, okay, take the flight, come here, because we need the aero testing. So what they did is super smart. They printed a full-scale, real-life scale, (laughs) <laughs> Riders, so they, they, yeah, they, they, they really, they 3D printed a life-size Danny Pedrosa and Brad Binder which are stored in their factory and they use it for aero testing so they can have the bike with the rider on the bike, which is exactly the same size as the real rider, except for the fact that it's not the real rider.
0: Well, I suppose the Danny Pedrosa one, at least it'd be small enough that you could put it in, in the cupboard quite yeah. easily. But uh, it, it does show the advantages, though, that teams can use for this technology. They're able to obviously improve the aerodynamics on the bike quite considerably just by using the 3D printer to have that rider in the tuck position, sit on the bike, and you're able to see whether or not any changes that you make are able to improve the aerodynamics. And that's where you could easily also use 3D printed aero parts to be able to see whether or not anything that you add to the bike makes that improvement. And you know, we talked about this earlier on in one of the earlier episodes of the series where we talked about the aerodynamics and how a MotoGP bike has evolved from being almost like a, a tier where it's just trying to get through the air as smoothly as possible, as easily as possible. And it was all about smooth surfaces to now it's all about angles on the bike. You're trying to do things where you're trying to generate downforce. And suddenly for a team like KTM, if they've got a 3D printed rider that they can put onto a bike and then bolt on additional parts, they really are able to get the best of both worlds.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, speed is the key in any any way we think about it. So being able to have the part printed quickly, it's a big deal. Having the part printed properly, it's a big deal. Many times I I like to to look into the future and see how things will be going. And the thing is that innovation is moving so fast, so quickly. It's presenting us so many amazing things that I cannot really imagine how it's going to be MotoGP in 10 years. What do you imagine?
0: Well, I think that's one of the things that over the course of this series, we've really been able to see just how quickly that innovation takes place in MotoGP. And once you're in any series, any category that really does place that priority on being able to be absolutely at the best of technology, it shows that the limits are boundless. If you look back over the course of you know, what we've talked about in this series, we've looked at from aerodynamics to electronics to safety for the riders, 3D printing on this episode, even the TV broadcast. And all you can see is that every 10 years, there's been this massive step forward. It's the same as when you look at how computing power constantly improves year upon year. It's the same with the technology that MotoGP teams have available to them and how they use that technology. And all it shows is that there really are some of the best and brightest minds working in the paddock in lots of different roles and that really comes to the fore whenever you look at the evolution of what we've seen from MotoGP. And I think it's probably, it's been good that you're now looking almost on 20 years of four strokes in MotoGP at this stage as well, because it shows you how much they've evolved from the first time that we saw them on a racetrack. If you think back to, I think it was Barcelona in twenty in 2001, was the first time that we saw a four stroke MotoGP bike doing a public demonstration. And from that point, until they went racing a year later, until you know, the middle of the 990 era, the 800s, and then into what we're at now, it just shows that constant evolution and how much they're really able to find improvements on a constant basis. And that's the amazing thing, because you really couldn't say where we're going to be in a few years, because some new technology is going to come along that these teams are then able to use to the absolute end degree and get the biggest benefit from.
1: Yeah, and what's amazing about the evolution is that for something it's impossible to predict. If we see at the if if we look at the old movies, okay, in the old movies, in two thousand and twenty, everyone was flying with the car, okay. There were not any more cars with wheels, but every car was flying. But nobody ever mentioned the internet. We don't see internet in the old futuristic movies. Nowadays, we don't have the flying cars, but everything is connected. So if we think about Blade Runner, could, could, you, could you imagine the, the director to think that the light bulb would have been connected with your smartphone on the other side of the world? No, but the car would have been flying. The car are not flying, but light bulb is connected to the internet. So it's really going to be... Nobody is really going to know where we're going to go. But what's sure is that we would truly going to be amazed about the evolution that we will see in MotoGP.
0: Yeah, I would say one thing though, Naska. I've had quite a few rental cars that seem to fly. So uh, (laughs) there have been some flying cars over the course of the last few years, but uh, definitely for for me, when I look back at what we've talked about over the course of the show, it really does just show just how much there is to learn about the technology in MotoGP. And I found that uh, the 3D printing in particular was a really interesting area because I didn't know much about it going into this. And to do the research, to talk to different people and and, uh, different teams about how they're using it, it showed that some teams are using it really aggressively and other teams are using it just for smaller parts. But they're all seeing a big advantage from these kind of leaps that we've had in technology.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to see the future. I'm so curious, really. Every time I see some innovation in in racing, I say, "I say, wow!" For example, I remember the first time I saw slow motion cameras. I was watching the TV and I say, "No way! Look at the wheel spinning so slow and the and the rubber ripping off." That that's what and I think, love.
0: And I think that's the key thing. It's that uh, you're able to see things now that you couldn't see in the past. And uh, the good news is that. MotoGP is always innovating and pretty soon we're going to have the first tests of next year we're going to see the big developments that are being made by the teams and that's what's always exciting the first test of the year whenever you go out to that and you're able to see what's new on the bikes you're able to see the areas where the teams are really focusing that development and obviously a new season's going to be around the corner soon and that just means that we're going to be able to see how all these technologies, all this innovation just keeps moving forward
1: Yeah, Steve, with our mind, we went so far in the future, like 10 to 20 years from now, but the next season is going to start and 2021 season is going to be amazing. We have seen an amazing 2020 season, totally unpredictable, and I'm pretty sure that next season is going to be as much unpredictable as it was this one.
0: Yeah, well, that's the one thing about MotoGP. It's just constantly delivered in recent years and definitely for 2021, I can't wait to see what's going to happen because 2020, you couldn't guess anything that was going to take place the next week and uh, that's definitely been something that brought excitement all the way through the MotoGP season so I can't wait for the season to get underway pretty soon and uh, the unfortunate thing is though, NASCO, because the season's around the corner it also means that we're at the close of the uh, Mission Winnow Presents Powering Innovation Series and this is the last show in the series and it's been a lot of fun to record these shows, it's been a lot of fun to research these shows and hopefully everyone at home has been able to enjoy listening to these shows.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was super fun for me to to talk about these things, to discover this amazing technology and innovation behind MotoGP and I really hope that people enjoyed us as much as we enjoyed it. So, once again, once again, thanks, Steve, for joining me in this podcast. Th- thanks to everyone that listened to us. Thanks for th- thanks to MotoGP for organizing such an amazing show, and I cannot wait for the next season to start. Yeah.